Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. On today's episode, I interview Kirsty O'Brien from Manifesting Mama on Instagram. And she's a manifesting coach and meditation teacher. And a huge part of her practice and the services that she provides is that she helps women build morning and evening routines to help alleviate symptoms of anxiety and just induce a sense of healing into their lives, which as you guys know, I love my morning routine. I do not post on Instagram before 11am because usually my morning routine um, doesn't involve social media or emails. So yeah, I loved chatting with Kirsty all about her morning routine. She gets up at 4.30am, which is so crazy but it really works for her lifestyle. And I think that that is one of the great aspects that Kirsty has is that she is able to build routines that work around people's lifestyles and what really works for them. Because, and I've learned this in my own coaching practice, people, you cannot make cookie cutter routines for people because everyone has a different lifestyle, certain things work for them that don't work for others. For me, there's no reason for me to wake up at 4.30 a.m. Christy has her reasons for waking up that early so she can spend time with her husband and get up and get a few things done before her kids wake up for school. So it's really about what works best for you. And Kirsty and I talk a lot about that in this episode. And I actually met Kirsty on Instagram and we ended up connecting because we had really similar posts and just similar values from what we were posting on our feeds and in our Instagram stories. And so when it came time to record this episode, we chatted a bit beforehand. And that's where I learned that Kirsty had or has PTSD anxiety, which is different than um, GAD or generalized anxiety disorder. And we kind of trauma bonded over these silly little things that anxiety makes us do sometimes. And as you know me, if you've been following me for a while, a way that I cope and deal with things is through humor. And so it was so nice and so refreshing to have a connection with someone who has also experienced some type of anxiety and really talk and get real about 
the silly, just the really silly things that anxiety can make you do and make you feel sometimes. And it's always fun in games looking back, but in the moment it can be terrifying. So it was just really nice to have that conversation with Kirsty. And I know that she will agree with me when I say this, but I honestly feel like I have a new best friend. We, I think we spent like three hours uh, recording this episode before, during the podcast and after. And it was just amazing. She's based in Australia, but she has clients all around the world, which is absolutely amazing. And probably one of my favorite parts uh, about being in the online space is getting to meet people from around the world. So kind of the whole premise of this episode is this quote that Kirsty told me. I don't think, I don't remember who said it, um, but Kirsty told me this quote, when you stand and share your story in an empowering way, your story will heal you and your story will heal someone else. I'm going to read it again because I always think it resonates better when you read it a second time. So the quote is, when you stand and share your story in an empowering way, your story will heal you and your story will heal someone else. So that is the premise for this podcast episode. I really hope that you guys enjoy it. I will include all of Christie's links in the description below. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either one of us. All right. Hey, how are you? Um, so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I am a manifesting coach, which is basically I work with you to get really clear on how you want your life to feel. And I support you to create what I call my you know, daily rituals of things that you do every single day that nurture your energy and keep you aligned with the life that you want to that you want to live basically so um because i'm a meditation teacher i really use a lot of law of attraction principles and visualization and a lot of meditation to support the work that i do with my clients i love a good meditation oh me uh, too <laughs> and where are you from i'm from sydney australia that's so cool i know we are recording right now it is Thursday, 7.30 p.m., my time, yep. but it's actually Friday, 12.30 Yes. Time. Yep. So I was like, when we were scheduling this, I was like, oh my gosh, wait, you're like a day ahead. I kept saying like, oh yeah, we'll do it on Thursday. And she's like, <laughs> I know. Friday. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot. So, and right now it's winter time there and it's summertime here. Yes. So one of the things that I found out about Kirsty is that she has actually been a coach for 15 years, but she did a very different type of coaching and then she took a little bit of a break and now she's back to coaching and she's doing it like she was explaining in manifesting and as a meditation teacher. So Kirsty, why don't you kind of unpack what that journey has been like? Okay, yep. So I started coaching a long time ago. Um, I always just knew that that was for me um, and I loved it, but it's very different. I used to mainly work with 
you know, startup business owners and athletes preparing for comps, um, which I really loved. But um, then I had my children and um, in 2011, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with leukaemia. So I stopped working and in total, I stopped working for about four and a half years because um, her journey sort of took us on a roller coaster. She was initially diagnosed at 18 months and went through lots of treatment. And then when she was off treatment, she relapsed at four and a half. And she was really lucky to be gifted with a bone marrow transplant in 2014. So that meant that we were in isolation for 100 days. And then she was all ready to start school exactly as she um, should have, which was just amazing timing. So she didn't miss out on any of those, you know, special milestones. Um, and then I sort of realised that I was dealing with PTSD anxiety. And so I really sort of worked on knowing myself and understanding anxiety and then when I was ready to go back to work, I felt like I had been given this journey for a reason mm -hmm. and it really changed the whole focus of how I wanted my coaching to look and feel like um, because I was aware that, you know, we all have our own struggles, you know, and they're all unique to us and no struggle is any more important or any less important. So now I work mainly with women, uh, young girls, and um, yeah, it's all different ages, but all just women that are wanting to really understand themselves and live a life that reflects, you know, their soul space. I think it's amazing work that you do and kind of backtracking just a bit. So I know that you mentioned PTSD, anxiety, which is very different from uh, generalized anxiety so but I mean they are obviously fall under the anxiety umbrella so what was PTSD anxiety like for you because you had never had anxiety before correct no no so I had um, I mean I was always I think a quite a sensitive soul but never an anxious one <laughs> And so after um, Ava got better and was all ready to go off to school and, and I think too it was a bit of a, it's such a life change because she was my youngest. So I'd always had a child at home with me for, you know, I think close to 14 years. And then so I was not only dealing with that, but just her treatment took up such a huge part, like was so consuming of our lives and how we lived. Mm -hmm. and it because of the isolation too it became really hard it sort of created this big disconnect between you know my friends and my family because we couldn't do things that we had always done and everyone else's life moves on and and you sort of stay in this little bubble <laughs> so um for me it just sort of I'd started with the not sleeping so I could get to sleep but then I would wake up and I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep and I didn't want to really leave the home. I started to get sort of, you know, the phantom aches and pains and um, just had excuses to not do things, you know, everyday things like going to the shop, getting in the car, getting petrol. 
And one day my husband said to me, you know, I think that you need to look after yourself. I, I don't think that this is how you should be feeling. I don't think, because I was just saying, oh, yeah, I'm just having trouble sleeping. And mm-hmm. so I was sort of reasoning it away because as well, I'm like, I should be happy now. Like my daughter's better. <laughs> this is like I should be doing cartwheels and instead I'm like an internal mess and worrying about everyone and really sort of always fearing that something would go wrong, you know, that sort of waiting for something to happen. And if it was like if there was anything that was coming up, like an event or a party or I could not even enjoy it because I would feel like something would go wrong and that it wouldn't happen or So it was like this big dark cloud. And so finally when I was diagnosed, it sort of made sense. Um, But then as I said to you too before in our chat that it also brought a bit of shame up for me because I'm like, well, I shouldn't have this problem. You know, everything's good. Why Why am I going through this? And then it was just a matter of accepting that this is how my body was reacting. And so then I began the journey of really wanting to understand my energy, understanding that I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't making myself a priority and how could I heal this? And so that began sort of, you know, a journey of really understanding myself. And at this stage, I think I was about 39. So it took me a few years to get And, um, and it was just a really, enlightening process and for you know who I am now is a woman that really puts herself as a priority and Mm -hmm. really makes the effort to nurture and understand myself and know when I need to rest and know when I'm pushing too much and know what makes me feel great and to do those things every single day so it's been yeah it's been a journey for me and I feel like I'm at a place with my anxiety now where it's healed but I know that there's always going to be things that flare it and and it's just a matter of being aware of what are my triggers yes absolutely that's actually interesting that you brought that up because well now at this point it will be a past episode but I just recorded a Q&A session um and one of the girls that follows me on Instagram, she actually asked me like, how do you deal with triggers? Like, will there, will there ever be a time when like my triggers won't be triggering, (laughs) triggering for Mm. me? And I was like, I felt like that was such a slippery slope as far as an answer goes, because for me, like my, my anxiety triggers, I've kind of learned and we talked about this in our other conversation to kind of, it's called immersion therapy where you basically do what scares you. And for people who don't have anxiety, it's not like we're talking about skydiving or bungee jumping, like do what scares you face your fears. It's literally the little tiny things. Like she was saying, like going to get it would in America, we say going to get gas, but there it's petrol. Um, or going to the grocery store or going to grab a cup of coffee, like those things feel terrifying. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. And it's really difficult. And I totally relate to your story, not in the sense of um, having PTSD anxiety, but never having experienced it and then feeling like an immense amount of shame for having it because you're like, you're like, well, my life is really great. 
Um, and that's exactly how I felt as well. It was just like, I have a really great life. Why am I just now experiencing this, um, as an adult? So it was definitely difficult, but one of the things just to clarify is you brought up the phantom pains. So I know all about that because I'm on top of the anxiety. I'm like, hypochondriac. <laughs> um, like, I'm like, I have the Zinka virus. I have malaria. I, I have yeah. Imaginable just from like a tiny flea bite. I'm like, I'm going down. This is it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so can you explain what a phantom pain is for somebody who might not know? Yes. So that is where you actually, it might start with, like you said, the littlest niggle. And then you just spend so much time focusing on that area. And so for me, it was quite often in my hips. And so I'd be laying in bed going, oh, my hips really sore. Oh, and the next minute, it just felt utterly painful but it's not it's just because that's where my mind was choosing to focus and so then you quickly go down the route of being you know very ill (laughs) very quickly um, (laughs) when it's just not it's not even anything and that's I remember a friend said to me once start moving exercise because then you'll be body sore from the exercise and it won't be your first thought to think it's an illness and that was so enlightening for me because the minute I started sort of going to the gym and actually training hard and just working my body the Mm -hmm. phantom pains did start to go away because I would start to just think oh well that's just because I went to the gym today and I you know I train my back or Mm -hmm. whatever so but the phantom pains become really consuming and it's I mean, I always say it's like my monkey mind and I can go from zero to 100 real quick when I'm in the depths of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and those, everything that I'm thinking feels like a complete and pure truth. And that's where journaling was so powerful in, I think, what you were just talking about before about triggers for me to understand when anxiety was presenting and to sort of call BS on the stuff that was going on instead of just letting it become a truth and just giving me that self-awareness to actually look at it and go, okay, step away from this. None of this is real. This is just in your mind. So let it go. And it sort of journaling gave me that space to get out of my head and look at it with like as an observer. No, that's, Absolutely perfect. Um, I want to dive into journaling, but first I want to tell you a a really funny story um, because a huge part of the way that I've dealt with my anxiety is through humor um, because it actually is really hilarious when you look back at something that was causing you so much grief and you're like, it wasn't that big of a deal. So I (laughs) I woke up one day. one in the middle of the night and I was having really bad stomach pains and it was on my right side. So my immediate thought was like, it's my appendix. Um, and it just like kept getting, I felt like it kept getting worse throughout the night. And I was like, okay, at the time I was living with my dad and I was like, okay, like he's going to get up in like maybe four or five hours. I literally packed a bag. Like I was, I knew I was like so sure that I was getting my appendix removed that night. Um, 
And I woke up at like 7.30. I called my doctor and I was like, I need to come in. I think I have appendicitis. And he's like, um, okay, like come in, you can be the first patient. I literally brought my stuff with me. I like told my dad and he was like, you would be like, have way worse symptoms than just a little stomach pain. So I like went to the doctor. I'm his first patient of the day. I'm like, I literally brought my hospital bag with me because I was so sure. And I'm sitting there and he's like, okay, what's wrong? He like takes my temperature. Temperature's fine. Um, And I was like, I'm having really bad stomach pains. And he's like, okay, stand up. And I was like, you know, my family has kidney stones, gallbladder stones. Like that was like where my mind was. It wasn't an appendix. I'm like telling him all of this. He's like pressing my sides. He's like, okay, bend over, do this move. And he, at the end, he was like, hmm. He was like, well, none of the places that I'm like touching you, like if you had an appendicitis or you had something like kidney stone, like you would be bolt over in pain, crying, hysterical. And he's like, let's just do an x-ray just to make sure. (laughs) So he does an x-ray, comes back in the room and he's like, "Um, yeah, it just turns out that you have gas. And I was like so embarrassed. I was like, like that's a lie. And he was like, no. He's like, what did you have for dinner last night? And I was like, I had um, in America we have this thing called In and Out, and it was like a protein style burger. So it was a burger wrapped in lettuce with like grilled onions. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you probably have just an intolerance to like onions. And I was like are you kidding me? And then I was just so at that point, I was just like, this is so ridiculous. And now I look back and I'm like, it, that, it's so funny to me that that's like <laughs> the extent of our anxiety. And that's not uncommon for people nice. to be like, I need to go to the hospital right now. I'm dying because that's just how you, your, your brain like trigger <laughs> triggers that. Response yeah. To you. And it's um, so exhausting as well because your body goes into so much stress mode yeah thinking that there's you're in real danger yeah the cortisol the adrenaline all of these chemicals start firing off when your brain gets to that so it's just a really weird thing it's like kind of like what came first like the chicken or the egg is it yeah the thought or the symptom that came first and it's like a constant kind of ping pong in your mind like am I really feeling this pain am I really feeling this way or is it a thought that's triggering it? Yeah. So, but I want to, so we've talked about meditation we've talked about um, exercise and journaling. And I know that you've shared with me that one of the services that you provide is creating rituals that support women and setting that intention, which I am a huge advocate for. Like if you've read any of my blog posts, <laughs> or followed me on Instagram. I'm always talking about journaling or like meditation or something like that. So can you share what your morning routine or your morning ritual looks like for you? Yep. So I get up early because I have four kids and I like to do certain things before they wake up um, so that I'm not sort of, it's not chaos. And I feel like they wake up better too when I do this stuff for myself. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, also my husband goes to work really early and it's really important for me to have some time with him before he goes to work because otherwise it's a really long day before we see each other again. So I'm usually up at 4.30 
straight away I get up and I diffuse oils. I love oils. They've just changed my life. <laughs> um, oh, just, and it's that whole, again, it's just reaching our cells and reaching that limbic part of our brain. It just straight away can be an anchor for anxiety as, you know, to calm us down or to keep us in a calm state. Um, so at the moment, my favourite is geranium and lavender together. That's the little combo I've sort of been sticking with. But I usually mix it up just depending on how I feel. Um, I have a little bit of lemon water just to get my di digestion going. Then I have my breakfast and my coffee with my husband. And then he's off and then I'll sit. I've got like a little meditation space just off my lounge room. It's nothing to... Um, fancy but it's beautiful and I will sit there and I just will start with what I call an intention meditation and that for me is every morning I choose how I want to feel and it can be different so um, a lot of times I always sort of tend to pick the words you know today I feel at ease or today I will you know it's I'm, I will be flowing not forcing something like that because I feel that when I feel at ease and those sort of more calmer intentions, my joy follows. So I'll sit just with that feeling in my meditation and that's how what my meditation looks like in the mornings. It's just sitting with my breath, letting anything come up, sort of just detaching from it and just really letting that feeling that I've chosen of how I want to feel just feel every single cell. And then I always have different affirmations that I say, which I choose on the Sunday. And then I'll just do a little bit of movement. And um, then after I've done all of that, that's when I'll get on and I'll check emails and do some social media posts. And then by that point, my kitties are up and then it's just about them and getting them ready for school. And then my day starts. That sounds so peaceful and relaxing this morning. <laughs> no, it really is. I think morning routines, I look back to my time when I worked in corporate America. I had to get up actually around 4.30 because we started work at 7 a.m. And so I would have to leave my house by like 6.15 to get to work. And the mornings were always so hectic for me. And I yep. think they are for a lot of people who have a very like a nine to five job. So what is your response? Because sometimes I get pushed back when someone is like, well, that's not practical or reasonable for me to do all of those things in the morning. Like I need, I get up like 45 minutes before I, I have to get into work. So what is kind of your, like, how would you respond to that? Well, I always say I'm a big believer in because I think what puts people off the most when they think about starting a meditation practice is they feel like they have to sit for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, total <laughs> silence. I always say it's yeah. not like that. Even five minutes of time in meditation is going to benefit you. Five minutes just sitting, thinking how you want your day to run will change your day. So we're not talking about big windows of time. And my biggest response is if you don't have 15 minutes to set aside in the morning to create the energy for your day, then you don't want to change your life. 
and mm. that's fine. But we, this is not a big ask. And for me, look, I've got four kids. That's why I get up at 4.30. That's my choice so that I can make this work and I'm not rushed and I can run it the way I do. But, you know, sometimes I sleep in because I've had, a, you know, a rough night's sleep or hubby was snoring or <laughs> right. and, you know, I just adjust it. But there's certain things and I always say start making your self-care non-negotiable. And for me, self-care looks like meditation time, diffusing my oils, um, just it's little portions of things. It's not massages and getting my nails done all the time or, you know, right. it's self-care is just that stuff that I'm doing every single day that nurtures me. Self-care is having a shower and just letting the day wash away sometimes, you know, of an evening. Um, it's listening to a podcast. It's being intentional. It's choosing music over the TV, you know, being really aware of where I put my energy and what I'm surrounding my energy with. Um, and I think that we can all create a morning ritual that suits us. It's going to be different for everybody, but right. we can all have that portion of time where we're actually just creating the energy for our day. And it's so important, especially when you do have things like anxiety or depression, it's really important to create those anchors. Mm -hmm. I agree. No, I love that you talked about being like setting the intention and I'm actually in the process of writing a blog post about how self-love and self-care literally has to become a mindset. Like not only is it in the practice, like I think we get, it can be very misconstrued on Instagram and Pinterest of like face masks. And like you were saying, like getting massages and getting your nails done and like self-care Sunday. And it's like, it, yeah. it goes beyond, it goes not to mock anyone, but it goes beyond the actual practice. Like you were saying, it really has to be an intention. And especially when you do have things like anxiety or depression, you literally have to create, carve out those times in your day and make it something that you practice consistently and not just waiting until you feel like, oh, I'm feeling a little anxious or I'm feeling depressed. Um, yes. Then it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Then it feels like it's too late. And I always explain yeah. it. Like, I know for myself, like I see, it's almost like a big wave coming where I'm like, I see it in the, from the shore and I'm like, okay, we need to like tone it down a bit. And it, it's so easy for me. I get, can get like totally lost in work like 10 or 12 days straight and like not take a break. And I'm like, oh, that was not a smart move. Um, so yeah, it is. I think you exactly what you said. Like it's about setting, setting those intentions. And in our previous conversation and the other call that we had, we talked about social media a bit because that's actually how Kirsty and I met is either I followed you or you followed me. And then like we responded to each other's Instagram stories, which like, yep. makes sense because we share a lot of the same values. I know. <laughs> um, but you were telling me, you're like, I have social media boundaries and I love to talk about social media. So what do social media boundaries look like for you? Okay, so the biggest thing for me is I don't look at it as soon as I wake up. So I have that space. It comes way after my morning routine um, because I want to make sure that I'm 
directing my energy the way I want to do it. And I think we can get in that habit of just mindlessly jumping on. And before we know it, we're sort of, you know, the, the time that we could have been spending on that morning ritual for our own energy, we've spent mindlessly scrolling and feeling crappy about ourselves <laughs> because we start going down that, oh, look at this person doing so much better than I am or they're on holiday and I, I can't afford one or, you know, so I feel like if you're looking at social media intentionally, it changes your experience. And so that's my biggest boundary. I switch it off at night and have my wind down routine so it's not the last thing I look at and it's not the first thing I look at um, when I get up. Um, I'm also really aware of following people that light me up. You know, I don't just follow or have friends on Facebook or that don't light me up. You know, there is an unfollow and a delete button for a reason. <laughs> or now there's even like when people give me an excuse like, oh, I can't delete this person because it's going to cause drama. I'm like, okay, first of all, Instagram has this handy new tool. I don't know if you guys know about it. It's called, you can mute people. So it, you won't show up on their feed that you've muted them, but you won't see their posts. You won't see their Instagram stories but you're technically still following them. I can't tell you how many people, like I have a personal Instagram and I've like muted so many people because I'm like, oh, I don't want to like unfollow them because I think, and especially in my generation, it's like a thing. Like if you unfollow someone, it's like, oh, you've got beef, like something, <laughs> you, know, you get like sassy kind of stuff. So I'm like, just mute people. That's exactly what I do. I, <laughs> sorry, people are listening. Like she muted me. Um, <laughs> No, but I like, there's really just no excuse. And I really do believe in the power of utilizing social media to help and not so much deter some of the progress that we, you, you can make with, with anxiety or with depression and following like exactly what you said, following people who really light you up and unfollowing people who don't like yeah. it's really a matter of, of, of mental health. Um, so I'm curious to see like what studies will come out in 10 years of linking like depression and anxiety to social media applications. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I always talk about this, it's energetic clutter, you know, whatever we're surrounding ourselves with in a day, whether that's our surroundings, it's, you know, paperwork, it's all the notifications on our computer, it's everything that we're absorbing through social media, it's all energetic clutter that is hanging, that we hang, hold on to. Yes. And so if that isn't if it doesn't make you feel good get rid of it you know that's it's so important and i think when we have anxiety we tend to isolate and that's where we can tend to use social media as a crutch and it we think that it's sort of a way of hiding but it's only making things worse because then you go down comparisonitis and all sorts of other things with it right. and you end up feeling worse when really the best thing that we can do when we when we're feeling like that is actually reach out for connection mm -hmm. you know that's when we need to instead of isolating and hiding in social media we need to be picking up the phone and calling a friend or a family member and saying i'm, I'm having a bad day today i need some support and Absolutely. unfortunately that's you know why we isolate is we're trying to make our world smaller so that we can deal with it but it's it only ends up making us feel more disconnected because we're wired for connection 
Um, so that's where you've got to be careful because I would find myself hiding behind my phone, you know, if I was out in social situations or waiting waiting for somebody or, you know, you get your phone out and you mindlessly scroll. Now I really make it a point to not do that. You know what? Take in your surroundings. Breathe in Mother Nature. It's beautiful. Like actually look at the blue sky and, the you know, everything that's happening around you and notice people. And if you're out to dinner, put your phones away. And I think those boundaries are really important for our mental health. Absolutely. I have broken my phone, got my phone stolen, lost my phone like several times because that is just the type of person that I am. (laughs) Um, And I am never in a rush to like get a new phone. Like I'm like, it's cool. Like I'm totally fine with not having a phone, which I'm sure freaks like my parents and my family out. They're like, why? No, you need to have a phone. Um, But I've gone like, I think the longest I've gone without a phone was like, two or three weeks because it was around holiday time and so like getting to the store and getting a phone it was like a it was like a lapse of between Christmas and New Year's so I was just like wasn't gonna have a phone um and I absolutely loved it like I was like this is I felt way less just stress and anxiousness because I didn't have like exactly what you were saying like information overload I think you even used the term like an anxiety hangover did you yes. say yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly like what happens like you're like oh what this is so weird that I don't feel so anxious and I think a lot of the times it's like because our phones could and especially as an online entrepreneur I'm sure you can relate like you can literally work 24 7 because yeah as I explained in the beginning of the podcast like she is on Friday at 12 30 noon her time but it's eight o'clock my time so I could be working 24 seven. So it's so important to be able to, to set that boundary of like, I'm not working or I'm not going to have all of these apps on my phones that are constantly dinging and pinging at me. Yeah. That's, it's so, it's so important. Even look at your phone exactly right. And how many apps, you know, what can you turn notifications off, you know, so that you don't feel that you have to answer that call right away or that that message or whatever it is because it's drawing our energy and and it's so many people that I speak to too that say oh I don't post this because I'm scared that people won't like what I'm doing or I'm like be you do you and the right people will love you and they're your tribe and that's you know who you want in your world and the ones that don't get you we're not for everyone and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I, you know, totally. I feel really, I think don't sense yourself, be who you are. And, you know, the right people will always find you and love your energy and the ones that you're not meant for, they're not meant to be in your world anyway. Yes. I, that was me. I was so terrified to finally talk about my blog. I think I went a full over a year. I didn't tell anyone except for like eight people and my mom and my dad. <laughs> about my blog. And then they were like, how many, like, what are you talking? Like I told my dad and I was like, cause he was kind of against it. He was like, um, you don't like, what if it doesn't work out and you have to get a job and like now everyone knows your name and like can Google you or whatever. And so I didn't like tell him for the first couple of months or the first like six months. And then I finally showed him my like, um, Google analytics and he's like, what like and it was so it was almost easier for me to like have like introduce myself to strangers like people on the internet than it was 
for me to like talk about it with people that I knew. And then I finally got to this point where I was just like, this is exhausting. Like, I can't keep this Mm. up. I need to just, and I felt too, like part of it was like, it was almost like I shouldn't be ashamed. Like I felt ashamed for whatever reason for what I was doing because it was so different from what the people I, from the people I know and my quote real life um, were doing. Cause they all had nine to fives, you know, they, that's, you went to college, you got married, you had a kid or whatever. And, and that's not what I was doing. And so I just, I felt an immense amount of shame. And I was like, this is actually affecting my business because I'm not promoting it. I'm not speaking about it in the ways that I really should be. Um, and so I kind of had to get over that. Like I was like people, yeah, exactly what you said. People will, the people that it resonates with, it will resonate with them. And, yeah. and that's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in conclusion, so can you tell, so you actually have something really cool happening. Send me an application. Like I'd love to do it. I was like, yes. And then he told me that you were doing something really cool. And that's why I was like, we need to do it this week before you go. Why don't you tell people where you're going and what you're doing? So I am off to Bali and I have, I know I can't wait. It's bring on the sunshine. Um, And I've got my first ever women's retreat over there, uh, the 3rd to the 9th of September. And I'm really excited. This is like the big, for me, it's one of, you know, ticking the box of things that I've manifested in the past 12 months. And when I, I think I spoke to you about this the other day when I said sometimes when I look at things that I'm now doing, I have to remind myself how far I've come from where I was with my anxiety and how much doing things like pushing your comfort zone and really always doing things that scare you really do help you to grow and expand and you know if you had told me two years ago that I would be running a retreat um, I know that that voice of no you'll never be able to do that and who would ever want to go that would have overridden everything Um, and you know last year I said to my husband I'd really love to do this sort of provide a space for women to just take them out of their you know their every day and just pamper them and give them a space where they can really just work on themselves and fill up their cup and do some personal development and have a cocktail by the pool and just you know really enjoy life (laughs) and I just went through just dived right in I mean I love Bali I've been there a few times I was married there um, it's a really special place to me emotionally. I'd done a lot of my own self-healing over there and I'm just so grateful and excited that, yeah, this is where it's all sort of headed and where it's come to. So I can't wait to spend the week with the women. Um, their energy is all just, you know, and people just meet for the right reason. We had lunch the other week and everyone just didn't really know each other but all just got on beautifully and so I can't wait. It's going to be an amazing week. I've actually got a lady flying over from California, which is a super long flight for her. (laughs) I've actually, I told you this, Bali was one of the first major international trips that I took and it is a very intense flight process. You fly 17, 16 or 17 hours to Taipei 
had a layover for like four hours and then flew another five and a half or six hours to Dunpasar, which is on the island of Bali, like the, where they have yep. the major airport. So it is, it is a trek, but it is so worth it. <laughs> um, I'm so jealous that that is where you're going next week and so where can people find you on instagram facebook what's your website okay so on instagram and facebook my um username is manifesting mama and my website is kirstyinspires.com awesome well you have to send me pictures when you're in oh I will. I'm going to send you some of that temple because I'm sure it's the same one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were yeah. talking about, she said the water temple. And I was like, I feel like I've been there. And you said that it's in, it's in, is it Ubud? Just outside of Ubud. Yeah. yeah. I'm um, sure it's the same one. So yeah. we're going there to, to cleanse our energy and just let go of all the stuff that we don't need anymore and really create some space for what we're ready for. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I feel like this is going to, it felt like this was a really good conversation and I feel hopefully people get a little more insight into what you do and resonate with it and then also maybe heal from their own anxieties. Yes, absolutely. It's, that's, I think that's the word. It's definitely healing and it's a process. And I always say, just be gentle with yourself, be easy. And just, it's a daily practice to, you know, heal and to know ourselves better. So um, if, if you're hurting and you always say, I used to love a mantra, I am supported, I am safe, I am loved, you know, and that sort of, when I was feeling really down, sometimes I would just say that, just to remind myself that, there's something greater surrounding me and that I can get through this. 